So to those of you out in the uh, internet, today we're gathered with a very small gathering because as throughout all of the province and much of our country, uh, many churches have canceled their services and we have also um, let all of our congregation know that they should stay home today, which is Sunday, March the 15th. But a few, a few people have uh, braved the quarantine in order to provide a service to you who are listening. And that's because we believe that it's important that we uh, share the gospel, the love of Christ to people who may be quarantined. And so I hope that as you listen through today that you find it helpful, that your hearts and spirits will be lifted. We do have our musicians here, a few helpers. We also have the great benefit of having a doggy with us today. And so uh, it's an interesting and different experience for all of us, but I hope it's something that's a blessing to you. So I'll ask uh, the congregation that are gathered here to stand for a moment as we acknowledge the land in which we stand. The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. O God, our creator, we acknowledge the Algonquin peoples as the first stewards of this land. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The sacrifice of God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart he will not despise. So let us come to the Lord who is full of compassion, and acknowledge our transgressions and penitence and faith. Lord God, we have sinned against you, we have done evil in your sight, we are sorry and repent. Have mercy on us according to your love. Wash away our wrongdoing and cleanse us from our sin. Renew a right spirit within us and restore us to the joy of your salvation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
please join me as we pray together the prayer of the day. Merciful God, the fountain of living water, you quench our thirst and wash away our sin. Give us this water always. Bring us to drink from the well that flows with the beauty of your truth. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I invite you to be seated for our first reading. A reading from the book of Exodus. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of all the elders of Israel. He called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Come let us praise the
we stand for the reading of the gospel. This is the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. For the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. The disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more than comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. 
He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. We have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of Christ. I invite you now to your heads for a moment as we pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be now and always acceptable to you. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please have a seat. I'm in the interesting position of literally preaching to the choir today because that's who we have gathered. So that's a nice change. But you are, of course, under an obligation to say an awful lot of amens and nodding and yes, pastor, uh, to make sure that adds a little bit of vigor to what I have to say. In all seriousness, we're in a very challenging situation today in a very unique situation. I have not been in this situation before, although churches um, through many ages have had this similar situation where people are quarantined and unable to come. We do have the great advantage nowadays of being able to transmit things electronically so that people can hear, and I hope that those who are hearing find this edifying and encouraging. But I want to speak to you today about a passage that many of you will know well, and that's the passage of Jesus and his conversation with the woman at the well. This is taken from John's Gospel, chapter 4, beginning at verse 5. And if you are listening along up to this point in our uh, recording, you'll have heard how it happens. Jesus meets a woman, a Samaritan woman, and he speaks with her alone, and as a result, her life is transformed. She goes into the village and tells people all about who Jesus is. Jesus stays with the Samaritan village for a few days, and as a result of that, many come to recognize him as the Savior of the world. Now, this is an interesting story. It has lots of different things and lots of different threads that we can follow. But I really wanted to focus on a couple of really important things that I think particularly speak to us today and today in the situation we face under quarantine and under a difficult situation where many people may be suffering around us. I think the first thing that this is telling us is a, is a challenge, a challenge to really put our trust in Christ by opening up to him those places of our greatest pain, our greatest wounding, our greatest shame, because it's then that we find ourselves truly healed by Christ who brings living water to parched places of the earth. But it's also a challenge to us, not simply to be people who consume the water that Jesus gives to us and brings refreshment, but to be people, as Jesus says, who consume the living water and in fact become springs of living water to the people around, just as this Samaritan woman was after meeting Jesus. A few things to really understand, though, in order to make this passage make a little sense for us. First thing is, is that Jesus is a Jewish man, and the woman he meets is a Samaritan woman. It's hinted at in this passage when the woman questions Jesus, why are you a Jew speaking to a Samaritan? But you may also be familiar with the Good Samaritan parable in Luke's Gospel, where Jesus tells the story of a Samaritan who cares for a Jew, and it's shocking because there's a long history of animosity between Samaritans and Jews. There's racial animosity, but there is also a religious dispute about, uh, about where the right place to worship is, things that may not seem all important to us in the 21st century, but for them, there's a great that Jesus talks to her a little bit about where the pro appropriate place is to worship. Another thing that's really important for us to know is how odd it is for a man to speak to a woman on her own. In a very traditional society, for a man and a woman to have that kind of conversation, we are to go to some places of the world, for example, places in Saudi Arabia or throughout the Persian Gulf, 
It's entirely unacceptable for a woman to speak to a man on her own. She needs to be accompanied by her husband or a family member. So that's another thing that's odd that's going on here. And the other thing that's really interesting is, is that the, the passage here makes it clear that this woman is coming on her own at noon. It tells us the time of day, which in the Mediterranean world, noon is the kind of place where they say only mad dogs and Englishmen go out under the burning sun. Here's a woman who, instead of going out with a group of other women or a male relative, is going to a well all by herself. She's also going to a well at a time where nobody else goes to a well because it's hot and unpleasant to be doing the difficult work of pulling up water and bringing it home. All those are things that you need to keep in the background of your mind as we discuss this passage. And as we go through bit by bit, I think those things will help it make clear what's going on. Here's the first thing that's really interesting. And that's really reflected in, in verse 7. It's interesting, this, this back and forth that goes on between Jesus and the woman. Jesus asks something that may seem very normal to us. Jesus is thirsty, and so he says to this woman, give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. There's nobody there uh, to have a, a bucket to, to help him to bring up the water. So he asks this woman who has a bucket and says something natural. I'm really thirsty. Could you get me a drink? The Samaritan woman, instead of saying, sure, no problem, says to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? First of all, she's surprised that Jesus would speak to her, but I'm also suspecting something else is going on. I don't know uh, you ladies have ever had this kind of experience. Maybe at the end of the day, you're tired out and you think, you know what, I'm going to stop and get myself a little snack and maybe a glass of wine at the, at the bar around the corner. So you sit down and you pull out your novel and some guy slides up next to you and says, hey, uh, I guess uh, heaven must be missing an angel tonight. You know what you're going to be doing when that happens, right? Some cheesy line, you're groaning inwardly and thinking, oh, I'm going to get rid of this jerk, right? I mean, she may also be wondering a little bit about uh, him causing, uh, because he's a Jew, he may insult her or cause her trouble in some way. She may be worried about her safety. But right from the start, the dynamic of this conversation is, here's a woman who's very guarded, who's very defensive, who assumes from the start that this man is up to something, and she does not want to show any vulnerability whatsoever. That's really important because of all the background things I told you about. It's understandable why this woman is defensive, and it continues on. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, he would have given you living water. And I think the next response she gives is actually being very sarcastic. The woman said to him, sir, you've got no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Sure, living water, whatever. Maybe he's on the make. Maybe it's a pickup line. What is it that he's saying to her? And Jesus says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water I will give will never be thirsty. And the water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Jesus is deadly serious, but still she's not sure. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty. You have to keep coming here to draw water. Sure, show me, Jesus. Here's where Jesus gets personal and touches something that is probably the greatest source of pain and the greatest source of shame in her life. Because in verse 16, Jesus says to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you were right in saying, saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, sir, I see you are a prophet. Here's what's going on here. Here's a woman who is going out all by herself in the middle of the day, not with another group of women, 
and not in a place where she's likely to encounter others. She's defensive. She's immediately putting her guard up. And we learn that Jesus says and sees within her own life that you have had five husbands and the one that you're with now is not your husband. I think now even today when you sort of find some Hollywood star who's on their sixth marriage, you have a few questions about their relational qualities, right? Maybe they're impossible to live with, or maybe they're a person who's too picky, or maybe they're just wanton in their habits. Here's a woman who, for whatever reason, and we're not told, is a woman who clearly has some issues with the men in her life. It's probably not that she's Elizabeth Taylor and a person who's collecting husbands. In that society, in Jewish society, a woman could not divorce her husband. A man could divorce her and send her away. If you think particularly for women who have many times uh, difficulty having their own financial independence even today, in ancient world it was even more difficult. For a woman to find a place where she could make money was often an extremely difficult thing. And so oftentimes, simply for her own protection and survival, she would feel the need to be married to a, to a man. And unfortunately, in the ancient world as well, a man could cast his wife aside without any real reason and without any necessary obligation to her as a result of the years they may have lived together. Here's a woman who's gone through five husbands, and at least there's some protection for her when she has a husband in terms of inheritance rights and things, and now she's living with a man who hasn't even bound himself to her in marriage. Here's a woman who probably is going there all by herself because they are in the village. Many have been speaking about her. She does not feel safe, and she is a woman who has probably become extremely cynical about the people around her and about her life. That is something so deeply significant here because when Jesus speaks to this woman and says, give me water, and speaks initially about physical water, and this woman parries away and defensive, Jesus says, in fact, what I am here to do is not to receive water from you. What I'm here to do is to give you living water so that you, in the most parched places of your life, can be transformed. What's so amazing about this passage is that what we see this woman doing or right afterwards is this woman is speaking with Jesus, and as a result, she goes out into the village, the same village she had been avoiding, and she goes out and says, not just, I've met an interesting man. She draws attention to the one thing that is probably the greatest source of her shame and the thing that she is most humiliated over, the thing that she probably has spent much of her life hiding and goes off to tell the village that this is a man who knows all about my history, she publicly says to all of them, come and see this man who told me everything there is about my life. Here's a woman holding something in shame, and opening those gates, and showing the rest of the world without shame, because Jesus has done something great in her life. Now for many of us, as we look at this woman's situation where she's meeting with Jesus, we may feel very well like we're in similar situations in our own life. It may not be that we're on our sixth husband, but I think many of us bear scars because we have been let down in the relationships in our life. It may be in romantic relationships. It may be in a more platonic ones. It may be in relationships with institutions like the church or with the government. We find today this level of, uh, of great distrust towards institutions that is at record levels today. We look at world movements, things like Brexit or the American election process. So many times we find people we're no longer having confidence in those who are governing over them. We also find more and more rates of people who are isolated, not just social distancing because of the current quarantine, but people isolated because they have so few people in their life they truly consider friends and people they can lean on. 
And there are many reasons for that, but I'm sure one of the great reasons is because people have been burned, they have often been failed, and for many reasons, people are very reluctant to share anything of real importance in their lives with the people around them. And it may very well be that we also feel that same thing when it comes to God. Some of us, of course, have had real tragedies in our lives. And we sometimes look back at those things and we ask, God, where were you in the midst of my troubles? Perhaps that's how you are right now when you're feeling yourself sick, you're feeling yourself scared and you're quarantined and wondering where is God in all of this? And God does not seem to answer readily with a quick and easy answer. And certainly this preacher can't give you a quick and easy answer because I don't have one. Regarded, we hold our shame, our fear, our pain, our brokenness close to our chest and will not share. And yet Jesus says, as difficult as it is, I am not like the people that you have turned to in the past. Not like the institutions that have failed you. Not like the romantic relationships that have failed you. Not like even yourself, who has failed yourself by perhaps bad choices you've made in your life. Jesus does not give us easy answers. He doesn't give this woman simple romantic advice to sort out all her problems. What does he do? He gives her the gift of freeing her from shame. One of the things that Lent gives to us and where we've been through over these past several weeks of self-examination is it is encouragement that Jesus is giving to us and saying, look, I know everything about you already. Just as this woman was surprised and realized he was a prophet who looked into her life history and knew everything about her, but still spoke with her and offered living water, Jesus knows the things we're hiding, the things we're ashamed of. And he's saying to us in the Lenten season, and every time we come together and, and, and come to the altar and, and have confession, and every time we come to him in prayer, he is asking us, do you not want to stop pretending and hiding? This burden that you're carrying, do you not want to be freed from it? I'm telling you, you are dying of thirst. But I am bringing you living water. If only you will open your soul to me, I can give you what this world cannot give. He gives to this woman what no man could give. He gives to this woman what only the Savior of the world can give, which is freedom from our sin, freedom from our shame, freedom from humiliation, and the assertion that the person whose opinion matters most in all of the universe loves you and does not cast you aside, no matter what your history is no matter how you feel, no matter how often you fail. Jesus comes to this woman and says, open your heart and let me give you the living water. And when this woman does, no longer is a woman who is burdened by shame, but instead is a woman who goes into the world and says, I'm not ashamed to acknowledge what my life has been like because somebody has told me that I am loved, I have worth, and I am free. That's a challenge for us. Will we trust Jesus in these times of isolation, in this time of Lent? But I also think that there's another challenge here. Another challenge that I think is particularly significant in this age of quarantine. The challenge is we see in this woman, not only she receives from Jesus the living water, and not only that she finds herself healed. This is a woman who goes to the village that probably knows all of her history and has probably shunned her in a thousand different ways. And she says to them, what her experience of being with Jesus is because she wants to serve him. And in fact, this Samaritan woman, this woman who is not a Jew and has no real business teaching Jews anything, telling the disciples, in fact, you disciples have a lesson to learn from this woman. Listen to what Jesus says when the disciples come and join him. 
Jesus says, my food, in verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more than comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you. See how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reapers are already receiving wages and are gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. To hear the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored. You have entered into their labor. You notice what Jesus says here? He says, one sows and another reaps, and others have labored. You have entered into their labor. The Samaritan woman has labored. And who knows how many small acts of kindness or ways that the hearts of the Samaritan people who may have been cynical towards Jews because of perhaps justified reasons, God has been working in their hearts, softening their hearts, softening their defenses, so that when this woman comes and proclaims what Jesus has done, instead of them shunning her, instead of them saying, we don't care what you have to say, they respond immediately as a crowd to come and see a Jewish prophet. That is an amazing thing. And that is not a thing that happens because this woman is an amazing orator or a wonderful speech or gives a great pitch. All she really does is say, I met somebody who changed my life. She goes out to them, and as a result, they come and they see, and they say at the end something really amazing. It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. We have heard for ourselves, and we know this is truly the Savior of the world. This woman did not change their hearts. This woman simply did what Jesus called her to do, to share that living water that's bubbling up from inside of her, and these people got a taste from her, and then they go to the source, which is Jesus. and They're transformed not because of her, but because of him and his loving kindness and his grace. We are very tempted sometimes as modern Christians because we want to be polite and we don't want to invade people's privacy, and I think we're right to do that. We don't want to be the kind of pushy person that everybody avoids. Sometimes because of our desire to be polite and a desire to give privacy, we also sometimes give in to a spirit of fear. A spirit of fear that says, Jesus is feeding me with this living water. He's quenching my thirst, but I am very hesitant to share any of that water with the world. We have a world right now on our doorstep in desperate need. Not necessarily the need of having the gospel spoken to them immediately, but a need to have the gospel lived in their lives. There are elderly people in our congregation. There are elderly people throughout Barhaven and Ottawa who I'm sure are living in fear today because they do not know who will get groceries for them. They do not know if they are sick, that there's anybody that they can call. They do not know whether anybody really remembers them. In this era of social distancing, remember how many people are socially isolated and that the loneliness they already felt is a loneliness that is magnified because they are looking forward now to weeks and weeks on end of being stuck in their home and not sure what to do. Not even, frankly, able to find toilet paper, as hard as that is throughout our Barhaven area. What do you think your responsibility is to the people on your block, to the people of our church, to the people you know and the acquaintances, to reach out and ask if you are able-bodied and not in the, 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 the category of being in high risk, can you reach out and offer to them? Can I get you groceries? Can I bring you a casserole? Can I help you out? For those who aren't able to leave, can you not pick up the telephone and ask how it is you're doing? Can you not point them to resources that might be of help? Can you not let them know you're praying for them because you know that you cannot necessarily physically reach out and help them, but you know that there is a Lord, that same Jesus who spoke to this woman, who will be with them and will answer their prayers and listen to them through their sorrow. 
As a parent of four, I know I'm lucky, of course, to be able to have more flexible hours and to be able to look after them. But in the school system, we have an extra two weeks with children at home. You reach out to mothers who are pulling out their hair this week and say, you know what, if you need me to look after your kids for a little while, I'm happy to do it. There's something I can do to help them, to take them out for a hike, to do something that is healthy and good and will not harm them, but will give you a little bit of peace. Remember that not everybody has the privileges that I do or that we do in this room of having a flexible work schedule. Are there ways that we as Christians can reach out to the people around us and show that Jesus' living water is bursting out, not just in our words as important as they are, but in our actions? Yes, to pray for those folks and always be ready to give an account for the hope that lives within us. What is it that Jesus is doing here? He goes to a woman and he goes to a world that is in desperate need of living water world that's parched, that is cynical because it has searched for water in many places that have brought them nothing but dust and bitterness. Jesus goes to that world and says, I have something better for you. Let's say yes to what Jesus offers to us. He offers us something better. Let's not hold back. Let's open up our souls and our hearts and even the places of our greatest embarrassment and shame and fear and pain. Say, Jesus, I will open that door because I need that balm of living water that you alone can give. And do not hoard that water inside your souls, but instead let it bubble up. Let it be a blessing to the people around you. Let it be an encouragement and a challenge to live in the way Jesus lived. A life lived not just for himself, but one who lived and came as one who served. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for being so generous in giving out that living water. But even a woman that could expect nothing from you, who was guarded because she was afraid of you, as a man and as a Jew, you reached out and didn't care about her heritage, didn't care about her history, didn't care about anything, because you knew that none of those things were barriers to you bringing life to her. I thank you for your love for this anonymous woman, and I thank you for your love for all of us, you know our names, you know our history, you know our hidden shame and our hidden pain, but you love us. And you are calling even now to take all those things that are burdening us and to give them to you because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. You promised to bring rest to our souls. and We ask that you would bring it to us today. Bring it to all those who are troubled and quarantined, those who are worried about loved ones. And bring it also to those who are able-bodied and those who have the ability to reach out. And help them, O oh Lord, to respond to your call by bringing true, cool, and living water to those around us so that we, O oh Lord, might be known as people who serve and who faithfully and accurately reflect the love that you have shown to this world. All this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I will say that the only amen I got today was from one lovely person here. Paula gave me an amen in the middle of the service and I was expecting the choir to give me a lot more amen preach -its. Yeah, so score one for my secretary, a faithful woman there. And the rest of you, smarten up for when we do our service next week because I expect a little more enthusiasm. Let's uh, stand now. We have an opportunity to proclaim our faith and our trust in God through the words of the Apostles' Creed. Still remember that he really is faithful in times of famine, in times of war, in times of quarantine, but also in the joyful times that we experience in life. He in all seasons and in all ways is a loving and wonderful Savior. With that in mind, I ask you, do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven.
And do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Do you believe in God the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I invite you to have a seat as we pray. With confidence and trust, let us pray to the Lord, saying, Lord, have mercy. For the one holy Catholic and apostolic church throughout the the needs of your church gathered here today and listening online we pray to you lord lord have mercy. mercy for the mission of the church that in faithful witness you may preach the gospel to the ends of the earth we pray to you lord lord have mercy for those preparing for baptism for their teachers and sponsors for those whose faith is challenged by doubts or fears baptismal vows at Easter, recommitting themselves to the way of Christ, that God's Holy Spirit, who has begun a good work in them, would direct and uphold them in the service of Christ and his kingdom. We pray to you, Lord. Lord, have mercy. For peace in the world, that a spirit of respect and reconciliation may grow among nations and peoples. Today we pray especially for Iraq. Syria, Afghanistan, countries hardest hit by COVID-19 and places attempting to stop the spread. We pray to you, Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and all who suffer, we pray especially today for those who have asked for our prayers. Hope, Peter, Heather, Jennifer, Kaylee, Judy, Owen, Drew, Jacob, Krista, Norma R., Jenny Chantel, Connie, Annette, Jennifer, Rosemary, Anita, Inez, Andrea, Marilyn, Phil, John, Robbie, Doreen L., Andrea K., Margaret, Lisbeth, Doreen Akers, Kareen, Valerie, Maxine, Terry Howland, Manny and Natalie Singer, Mark Green, Ernie Cable, B.K. Moore, Brian and Judy, Beverly S. And for all on our hearts who might name silently or aloud. those who live in loneliness, 
isolation, for protection from loneliness in the time of social distancing, for all in danger, for all who are especially vulnerable, that they may be relieved and protected. We pray to you, Lord. Lord, Lord have mercy. For this season of pandemic of COVID-19 and fear, Turn our eyes to your mercy. Shine your light on those whose only companion is darkness and teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to your wisdom. We pray to you, Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those your church has sinned against, for indigenous people whose culture we have disrespected, for LGBTQ plus people whom we have insulted or shamed, for children we have hurt or silenced, for the poor we have ignored or turned away, and for all whom we have failed to love as ourselves, that they may know your grace and mercy in spite of our poor witness. We pray to you, Lord. Lord, have mercy. For courage to acknowledge our sins before you, for grace to amend our lives, to live attentive to your presence, prompt to serve you, and ever eager to follow in the steps of the one who is our true light, Jesus Christ, that we may always be assured of your goodwill towards us. We pray to you, Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray for your persecuted church, that those who have lost loved ones, been denied their rights, or have lost their churches due to persecution, might not waver in their faith despite tragic loss. Help them to find comfort in you even as they grieve. We pray to you, Lord. Lord, have mercy. Gracious God, you have heard the prayers of your faithful people. You know our needs before we ask and our ignorance in asking. Grant our request, as may be best for us and for the furtherance of your kingdom. This we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Just a reminder before I, we exchange a peace, we do not shake hands during this time of quarantine, but instead I invite you to bow and to wish a person peace. So with that in mind, may the peace of the Lord be always with you.
Please join me now in our offering prayer. Holy and generous host, you set a table where we feast as friends. Prepare us to witness to your goodness with every gift you have given us to share, that all people may know your peace through Jesus Christ, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Let's hear all you gracious God. Creator of heaven and earth, we give you thanks and praise through Jesus Christ our Lord, who was tempted in every way, yet did not sin. By his grace we are able to triumph over every evil, and to live no longer for ourselves alone, but for him who died for us and rose again. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and all who have served you in every age, we raise our voices to proclaim the glory of your Israel to be your people and your words spoken through the prophets and above all in the word made flesh Jesus your son. For in these last days you sent him to be incarnate by the Virgin Mary to be the Savior and Redeemer of the world. In him you have delivered us from evil and made us worthy to stand before you. In him you have brought us out of error into truth, out of sin into righteousness, out of death into life. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, a death he freely accepted, our Lord Jesus Christ took he had given thanks to you, he broke it, and gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you, and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, Father, according to his command, we remember his death, we proclaim his resurrection, we await his coming in glory, and we 
offer our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to you, Lord of all, presenting to you from your creation this bread and this wine. We pray, you gracious God, to send your Holy Spirit upon these gifts, that they may be the sacrament of the body of Christ, and the blood of the new covenant. Unite us to your Son and his sacrifice, that we may be acceptable in him, may be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In the fullness of time, reconcile all things in Christ, make them new. Bring us to that city of life where you dwell with all your sons and daughters. Jesus Christ, our Lord, the firstborn of all creation, the head of the church, and the author of our salvation. By whom, and with whom, and in whom, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory are yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Amen. We break this bread. Communion in Christ's body once broken. Let your church be the wheat which bears its fruit in dying. If we have died with him, we shall live with him. If we hold firm, we shall reign with him. The gift of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. you now to come forward to receive the bread. As I mentioned previously, wine will not be distributed today until the quarantine is ended. Body of Christ, forgiving sins. Body of Christ, so have it. Body of Christ,
now as we say together. <coughs> Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the spiritual food of the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out into the world in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. And now may God the Father, who does not despise the broken spirit, give to you a contrite heart. Amen. May Christ, who bore our sins in his body on the tree, heal you by his wounds. Amen. And may the Holy Spirit, who leads us into all truth, speak to you words of pardon and peace. Amen. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. You not have very many people here today, but it is our uh, tradition to sing birthdays and anniversaries. No, no birthdays. Okay, so let's uh, skip on then as we close. We'll be singing together our closing hymn, Come Thou Fount, Come Thou King. May God richly bless you as we go today.
Go now in peace to share the good news. Thanks be to God.